0: That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com No purchase necessary. Forward by law. 18 plus. and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Nice article in the Managing Madrid uh, blog. They're wonderful lads that do a great job there. And worth reading about that man there. Very the better money. Welcome to the Managing Major Podcast, where we're recording this on a Sunday morning, waking up to a ton of messages from people asking where the hell is the post-game podcast. But we're here, dedicated, and joining me, Keon Sabani, as the sun rises, is Matt Wiltsey. Matt, how you doing? Kian, doing good.
1: Doing well this morning.
2: How are you doing? I'm doing great. Um, this was, I'd say, one of the most eventful, if not the most eventful day from a Real Madrid perspective, um, this season so far, um, I'm talking about the Saturday, that is, because you obviously had Real Madrid play, and a lot of storylines in that victory over Levante, but you also had very eventful, some good, some bad, um, performances from Mayoral, Odegaard, Vallejo, Atraf, and then today we have, um, well, today we have Regulon, we have Ceballos, the Valladolid boys who I'm sure we don't know um, if they're going to play or not. And then also we did have Kubo on Friday night who made a a, a good cameo. So we have a lot. We're going to bring all that forward to Tuesday morning. Um, we're not going to spoil it, but Matt and I record a podcast every Tuesday morning for our patrons, which you can only get access to if you're over at patreon.com slash managing Madrid. Um, every Tuesday we review the Loneys. We watch every single game. Um, Matt, I was thinking about this. Just waking up to those messages about where's the podcast because they expected it last night, and I don't blame them because we actually said we're gonna do it last night. I started to realize how much simple, how much more simple life was when we really only covered Real Madrid. I mean, we always like okay. watched games, but we didn't like. Now we're like trying to schedule a podcast, and it's like, well, we can't. I could, we couldn't record after the game was over because then you're getting into. Um, Vallejo, Achraf, and Odegaard—all who played after Real Madrid did. So you can not record the post-game there. Um, you you drag it out a bit further. Then you have Barca against Valencia, which is a huge game. Um, then we're trying to juggle it this morning. It's like, well, we have to squeeze it in before Regulum plays at 8 a.m. Eastern, and or or we can do it bef- after Arsenal plays. So that's the Sabio's the the performance is over with. There's just a lot of coverage, and I think like, um. That also has made it a bit tricky to record, but it's it's all fun, right? Like this is I'm having a lot of fun covering all these teams.
1: Yeah, no, this this season already has been so much fun, and like every every weekend, and especially I mean the lonies, just because we we do that every Tuesday, I so look forward to that, and I so enjoy it. And uh, after last season, I was like oh, a, a little reprieve in the summer, but I was already itching, I was already itching for it to come back, and I just I, I really enjoy it, so I'm with you, I'm with you there. And now, like, the great thing is if you go on
2: managingimager.com, and this is something that I've been trying to adjust to this season, um, but thankful for, you go on the website on the weekend. Now you're getting into Tacon coverage and, like, deep Castilla and Juvenil coverage sometimes. And so you have, like, the immediate reaction, the tactical review, preview all for Tacon as well um, on top of it. So, like, there's so much going on the website. And I think when Gabe gets back from his honeymoon, um hopefully he's going to kickstart. as far as i know he is the uh the the feminina podcast that will go up weekly too with jess so there's just so much coverage and i'm just so part of the team now i tweeted it this morning like there's just uh, i by the way i try to tag you in a picture and i wasn't allowed to it said matt wilsey's settings cannot be tagged in the picture so, oh, okay. Yeah. You, might it. You, you missed out on a bunch of retweets and followers. Oh, man. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I'll take care of that. Uh, so don't think I was an asshole trying to leave you out. I <laughs> tried. I couldn't fit, right. fit you. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> okay. Obviously, the main talking point of this podcast, four minutes in, should be about Real Madrid against Levante. Um, in a performance where you had a great first half and Zidane talked about the contrast between the first and the second half, he said, if we can continue... Just extend that 45-minute performance and make it a 90-minute performance, which has been clearly a problem over the past few years. Um, Just the consistency from one half to another. Um, If we can extend that, then this team looks much better and hard to deal with. Um, But it wasn't the case in this game because the second half wasn't nearly as comfortable as the first half, right, Matt?
1: Yeah, and I I think part of that we can put down to just international break fatigue. I think... Uh, as soon as Casemiro had to go off, that completely morphed Real Madrid shape. And um, you had Lucas Vazquez, who was supposed to be in midfield, but I mean, most of the time you saw him, he was still on the right wing. You had Vinici- Vinicius on the right wing and Carvalho all, all, all kind of in a line. Um, and it, it was just so straight. I mean, there was the setup after Casemiro came off just totally dis- dis- was totally dismantled. And I think um that's when you saw Levante's xg spike and that's when they really had an opportunity to get back into the game prior to that and especially the first half as you mentioned kian i think that's what we should be kind of walking away with that first half was was great football um really some great individual performances and i think that's where we want to kind of really deep dive
2: yeah, I think so too. And like you mentioned the Casemiro sub and obviously the Ramos sub was the other big one um, because some people were upset about it. And I get it. I think like with with Ramos, it was Zidane clarified that he had something going on. He had a calf muscle problem. So they had to take him off. Um, and he just said like the international duty just completely wore players like Casemiro into the ground. And I don't think he, in a normal world, he probably wouldn't have made that sub. Um now, having I mean, said that, like I think at three 0 also, you could guess that you know the the job should be done. Like you 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 should be able to yeah. just control the game without Casemiro while well, with Cruces deeper, um, they they didn't. Um, now the other thing is like you mentioned the XG spike for Levante, um, similar to the Valladolid lead game where you all of a sudden you lost control. You maybe scored, but your your defense took a dip, and and via leads XG goes up. Um, and in this game Leva- the same thing happened with Levante um, you just like you you still had your chances to make this 4-0 5-0 like you know there was a whole sequence of just crazy sequences where when James was doing the back heels and Hazard was involved he was getting shots off like that it should have been done and tested a bit more um, you had the big Casemiro chance from the corner also in the first half which should have been a, you know it was a great chance um, Vinicius had a great chance in the second half that Uh, with the left foot Um, Hazard shot like there was there was things happening that enough that you know instead of three two it probably could have been like five one or something Um, but that wasn't the case
1: yeah and Courtois even said that after the game he said it should have been probably closer to four nothing five nothing and we should have just had done a better job of controlling the match Um, but I think one thing you you touched upon Kian and I think we saw it in this game was um, just kind of the team's fluidity. And I think the way I don't think Casemiro, I mean, even I, I think Zidane didn't want to have to start Casemiro. Obviously his hand was forced with just all the midfield, um, all the midfield injuries, but Casemiro was playing in the U S so he had that long flight over the Atlantic. So um, he was prob his body was probably just struggling to make it through that match. Um, but we saw the team and the and the shape did morph throughout the game. But I think we saw the team kind of switch from a four-two-three-one to a four-three-three throughout. Um, but for the most part, James Rodriguez and this is what I was screaming for and really calling for in uh, the article I wrote midweek. I, I thought about
2: that. I thought. I
1: thought Zidane must have read Matt Matt's article in yeah, yeah. the Carolina. Yeah, and so, um, I was, so I was so happy to see Hamez in there, and so happy to see him kind of in that more advanced role. And sure enough, for those who have read the article, I mean, you look at our deep ball, uh, deep ball completions versus other games. We had 17. Um, our average is 9.6. So that tells you. And then our, um, the opposite side of the ball the opposition's deep ball completions were three and we usually average four so that tells you we weren't sacrificing our defensive organization or our defensive transition i think our team the team did really well to press high at the pitch there were only a few moments i picked out where the press was kind of really disorganized but for the most part it was much better than what we've seen in uh, in prior games and i thought um I really think this is the way to move forward and I know we're going to talk about James Rodriguez. I think he had a phenomenal phenomenal game. I just on an individual level, I just love seeing him out there. He's just we didn't think we'd ever see him in a Real Madrid shirt again and to see him and to see him playing well and just he looks fit. He's fighting till the final minutes. I mean, he was obviously exhausted at the end, but he was just he was trying as hard as he could to just keep making runs, try to make slide tackles. Like he was he was doing it all. And Zidane even said that after the match. Khames was great. Um we'll, I think we're gonna
2: get to Khames in a second. Um I think with the lineup, the initial lineup, is interesting to talk about just for the sheer fact that I was confused about the outrage when I s when the lineup came out. Um there was this like I can't even explain the reaction, but it was this almost unanimous, like, disgust and disappointment and confusion. And and I couldn't really figure out why. And then I think, like, the first half, the way they played, how they played so well, just kind of confirmed, confirmed it for me. I'm not sure what they wanted. I was like, you've seen the injuries. You've seen, like, what's left. You've seen what Zidane has to work with. The one, you know, the argument could have been you want to get Militao in there, maybe get some get him some more minutes. Um, before the PSG game which he has to play essentially yeah. um, but he did get in this game and you could also argue Ramos just um, this since he's not going to play against PSG he should just play um, the other one that I think people were upset about were was Vasquez and Hazard and I think on you know there's always the, the decision that the coaching staff has to make about um, if a player is just coming back from injury, and if they're fit, like, to me, also, there's this, uh, there's another way to look at this, like, if you're fit, you're fit, you're in the squad, that means you can play, so that means you're, if you're in, you can start, um, but I think the, also the coaching staff can, if they know that they're going to only get 60 minutes max from a certain player, would they rather start that player or bring him off the bench, and, you know, that, Zidane ultimately decided that they wanted to bring Hazard off the bench kind of ease him into it and not put him in the starting lineup but I thought the lineup overall is like with what they had that was it was fine and um, I think when you see it unfold you kind of you kind of mentioned kind of more from formation to formation there was a lot of fluidity to it I think as the more I saw it the more it was clear to me that James was just going to be in the hole he was going to be he was going to be the one guy who's just kind of moving around that zone 14 and he's just kind of showing up between the lines. He's pouncing on loose balls when it drops at the top of the box, as was the case, the assist to Benzema. Um, it just kind of, it fell to him. He was in the right place at the right time, good off-ball movement. But then you also saw a bit of interchangeability with Vinicius going from left to right um, and... Casemiro, like this to me was the biggest mistake that Levante made. And Paco Lopez, who statistically has had, I think I could be mistaken, I don't know if it's a top three record or top five record or something crazy over the past few months um, where Levante have just consistently gotten results and defense has been good, they're an organized team. Um, He got it wrong in the sense that he put no pressure on Casemiro. And Casemiro, I thought, was one of the standouts of the first half. Him and Carvajal, to me, really stood out as the two. But they put no pressure on him. And Casemiro had, it was found in the situation where he had the ball a lot. Um, and that, gave, that allowed him to get into the game, not worry too much about dealing with presses, although he did good the, the couple times. He, you know, he was pressured. Um, but I, I thought, like, from top to bottom... This first half was one of the better things I've seen. It was kind of like the Bible
1: lead first half, um, but with the added uh, added goals which were needed. Yeah, and I was uh, that first half. I was thinking to myself prior to us scoring that first goal, we just need to get one, and then the dam will break, and then we'll be able to you know, a flood of goals will come, and that's what did uh, did eventually happen. And I think. You're you're right. I do I do see parallels to the Valladolid game and I think um, the difference was obviously we were we were more clinical in this match versus Levante and I think you can see though that this this shape and playing with a central attacking option in the midfield it's something that does work. You're not sacrificing your defensive organization. I think you, you see that as long as you can organize your press and your counter press effectively, then it it does work. And that's something we've kind of tried to reiterate time and time again. But I mean, you pointed out that Casemiro Carvajal had great games, which I a hundred percent agree with, especially Carvajal. I think we, we needed this game from him. It was encouraging. Um, puts the ball on his left foot and curls in an inch perfect cross for Benzema. I mean, that that's huge. And, um, probably not a lot of right backs in world football can do that. Just switch it over to their weak foot and put an inch perfect cross. in. so, um, that's going to make him more dangerous if he can continue to do stuff like that. I also think a person who deserves a shout out was Tony Cruz. I thought he had a, a great game, a little bit deeper, um, but I thought him and Jamez especially, they linked up really well. And uh, you just felt so calm and confident when they had the ball and that they were obviously going to make the correct pass and get the pass where it needed to go. And between the two of them, they had nine key passes. So Jamez had a team high of five and then Cruz was right behind him with four. So um, they were really effective in that midfield.
2: Which I think, like again, like not to discredit Real Madrid, I think they played well in that first half. I still think, like, they gave two, Tony Kroos and Casemiro too much time. And, like, I think when when they have the ability to pick out passes, the problem was, like, when, when you go into a deep deeper block like that, it wasn't entirely deep, but they definitely weren't pressing high until the second half, like, basically the first sequence of the second half, they started pressing a little bit. Um, but in the first half, they didn't press the midfield at all. The problem was they didn't compensate for that by kind of tracking the runs that well. Uh, and then, all of a sudden, when they you know they they at first they they were wide and they were um, able to to kind of prevent overlaps. But then once Carvajal, Marcelo started really pushing up and and Vinicius started kind of roaming with Benzema and Hamas popping up and Cruz and Casemiro all the time in the world to pick out these runs, they just kind of collapsed. And I think that was their big mistake. But uh, not taking any credit from Real Madrid, the assists that you mentioned. Was kind of a classic Carvajal to me. That was the the 1617 version of Carvajal. Yeah. Um. And he and Casemiro were were again were very involved in the team's build up. Um. Did have a couple shaky moments. Um. As did Casemiro. I think with later in the second half you had um this really weird giveaway from Carvajal, which almost made it three two before the actual three two. Um, then, obviously, on the actual 3-2, he was bullied at the far post, um, the same way Mandzukic did to him in the Champions League. Um, and Casemiro had a couple moments where, um, apart from, like, really good counter-pressing and passing and uh, and challenges, he also had some clumsy touches, some clumsy fouls. Um, but as Om and I talked about last week, or two weeks ago, whenever it was, it's, you almost kind of do a cost-benefit analysis, and you kind of, like, what... It, what did they do to outweigh those couple, two mistakes? And I think, um, they did a lot, but the, but Carvajal did have this weird stretch in the second half where he was just overhead passes and then defensive mistakes. It was weird. Um, but you really hope that the first half version of Carvajal
1: is the one that you see. Yeah. And I think I'm going through the lineup here and the other person we, we can't forget, and sometimes we we almost gloss over him, but he was just coming through so again clutch and just proving how clinical he is. Is Kareem Benzema? Yeah, uh, two goals. He's I mean I he played phenomenally well. Uh, he's going to make Luka Jovic's job a lot harder to try and break into this team, and um, I think I mean just to. I, I've been impressed with just his aerial ability as well. He's his heading. His He scored a. I'm going to have to look up how many heading goals he's actually scored in the last uh, six months or That's so. A lot. But yeah, he's been uh, prolific with his head. Um, Benzema
2: also had, in addition to those two goals, he had two near goals, which would have been goal of the season candidates, because he had oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. the first in the first half where James switches it to Marcelo. Marcelo makes this one touch pass to Benzema, Benzema just fires it, and it was going top corner, it seemed, um, and uh, and Fernandez just made a great save. And then he had that insane dribbling run in the second half, and then goes far post, and it's just saved again. So. That this is like just a phenomenal game from Benzema. Now all of this is obviously the big test. I think you want to see, you want to see how this team performs against PSG. These same players, great we yes. saw it against Levante. You want to see it against PSG, who um, has just returned a Neymar who had a near perfect performance, if not perfect, and capped it with an amazing goal. So like, um, I you know this is great momentum heading into PSG. Hope it carries over.
1: Um, and Sevilla, away from
2: home and Sevilla away from home, and Atletico away from home coming up. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean,
1: yeah, the, the schedule coming up is just, it's daunting, but I think this is going to be where we see kind of Madrid and Zidane's true colors coming into the season. So hopefully, like you said, this is going to be some momentum that they can take in there. And I think um, on Eden Hazard, you touched on it, Keon, with just the need to build up minutes. I also think... Zidane's hand maybe was a little bit tied because he had to start Casemiro, and so you kind of take a major risk if you're going to play two players who probably can't go more than more than sixty minutes. And uh, if there's any risk that one of them has to go off early, then you're really, really um, playing playing your cards. And so um, I think he had in that in that particular scenario, he probably was forced to. Not only just because Edin probably needs to build up match rhythm, and uh, you can you can work on your fitness all day long, but there's nothing like a match match day and a match day fitness and being in the game. And so um, I I don't blame for Zidane for not starting Hazard in that situation. There is part of me that when
2: um, when teams go into this situation where they're forced to either play fringe players or younger players. Um, No one likes injuries, but like there is a part of me when that happens, when there's a a bunch of injuries or suspensions and you need to play a little bit, you're forced to do something creative or to play players you wouldn't normally play. Part of me, my eyes perk up and I actually get excited to see what are the options that we didn't know about. Um, You kind of see this with Chelsea during the transfer ban this summer and how Everyone like under twenty one has scored all their goals this season, and they, they have these exciting things brewing because they were forced to go the other route because they couldn't buy anyone. Uh, you see it with Barca's injuries now with Ansu Fati and Carlos Perez. Like you, we would have never, I don't think, seen them this season anyway. Um, had we not seen those injuries, um, now we're not seeing necessarily younger players play with Real Madrid, but we often, twice now, both against Valladolid and against levante when that lineup came out there was this like sarcastic sigh that was like oh yeah new faces where are they where's the revolution but i keep looking at james in the lineup and i'm like yeah he's an old face but it's kind of new it's kind of like we're the fact that we're forced to play him it makes me excited (laughs) uh, because he's looked great in both cameos i actually like throughout the years i've almost always been confident watching him play and um generally like I'm not worried when he has the ball because I trust his decision-making. I trust where he's going to be. And then when you flip it and you play against him, when you played against Bayern, I thought he was terrifying with every touch. And obviously he scored on both legs and playing in a deeper role and doing all these things and pressing. Uh, So like, when I see James in the lineup, I'm like, that's that's almost a new signing to me. Um, And like you mentioned, Zidane spoke highly, but he's spoken very highly about both James and Bale this season after a summer of like, um obviously did not seem to want either of them so what else did you want to kind of say about Jamez that you think like he he helps his team with
1: well so i think whenever Jamez has i mean we we talked about it, he's got the his fitness looks great um and he's obviously going to build upon it with each each coming game he's got the right attitude um he's in good form like when you have all those factors coming together there's probably nobody no one else I want in that position um, mm. and he just he, you've said it so many times before, Kian, he just gives you confidence. When you know he's getting on the ball, you just know he's he's gonna zip the right pass in, he's gonna make the right decisions, he's gonna come up with something. And he's gonna create opportunities. He takes shots, he he grabs assists, he scores goals. Like that's that's what we need, that's what we've lacked from midfield for so many years because that's just not the type of player that Cruz, Casemiro, or Modric are. And so and that's not a knock against them. That's just this. James gives us a different profile, different el- different element, which I previous thought previously thought we would get that maybe from a Van de Beek or an Ericsson or everybody hoped Pogba, but I honestly I'd probably prefer James to all those guys with the when when all those three ingredients are together, I don't again I don't think there's anyone better than James, so I think um, just yeah. to see him wearing wearing the jersey again it's just incredible and like I 100% agree with you I feel like. When I see James in in the lineup, that's a new face to me because he has been gone for two years. I mean, it it's it does help rejuvenate the squad a bit. Um, it's it's fun to see him back in there, and I think um, he really hopefully he can get a run of games right now. I mean, there are, obviously there are injuries, and hopefully he can take advantage of this and continue to prove to Zidane that. He should be one of the first names on the team sheet after yet after yesterday's performance. I don't see any way why Zidane would want to take him out of the team. Well, just given the fact that I, I and I
2: do I would too. There's a few names because I did a Reddit AMA the other day and someone asked me who are the names that for you like just sh- should be there on the team sheet. And I put Hamon as one of them um, just based on like what we've seen in the past few months and what this team re- requires and what it's lacked. I put James in the in the short list of of players that like I need in the team uh, on a big game or whatever. And there are others. There are other positions where I'm like, okay, you fill in with whoever's available or who's informed. I had James there, and I think part of the reason is because the same the same conversation we've had, Matt, in the on the podcast this summer when we were looking at names like Van de Beek, uh we were looking at uh, names like Ericsson, like you mentioned, and we were like, what is the what is the upgrade, if any, with these players over James, and at what cost is that upgrade? And then do you 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 weigh it? And I'm like, and so that's why it was always confusing to me. Um, I want to, you know, I I want to God say just God bless De, De Laurentiis for for not listening <laughs> to Carlo Ancelotti, who really wanted James at Napoli, and uh, De Laurentiis said, you know, we can't afford him, or we want to spend the money elsewhere, um, and contrary to popular belief because i see this narrative floating right by the way, he doesn't he didn't want to stay with Bayern like that that was that was all something he was clear about this summer when when you know because i always had the question like why doesn't what why doesn't Bayern just want to keep him after losing robin and rubry and then it you know it's become clear now that he was and he said he didn't want to stay at Bayern he didn't you know he wanted to just see if he could make it at real madrid so i'm thankful for all those dominoes falling now um I know we're kind of thinking ahead now, but it's not—it's not thinking ahead that much. I still want to talk about this game. But what does
1: your attack look like against PSG? What are you going with? Um, I think I'm probably going with the same lineup, except maybe I change um, Hazard in for Vinicius. Oh, wait, Bale's gonna be back though. Bale's back. Yeah. Um. Yeah, maybe it's Hazard. This would be quite quite the lineup. It would be interesting to see. Um, Hazard, Benzema, Bale, James in the number 10 role, Cruz and Casemiro a little bit deeper. And then I'd probably go with Mende, Mende at left back, uh, Millie mm-hmm. Tao, and Varane and Carvajal.
2: That's pretty much what I would go with at this point. Um, I think, I think fans are... Excited about the idea of having to see Benzema, Bale, uh, Hazard, and James together. So if, I think you might see a situation where you saw today instead of Vinicius you see Hazard, instead of uh, Lucas Vazquez you see Bale. Now we'll see Who knows what you know what he's going to do? But um, I do like the idea of Mendy at left back, just given the amount, the ability of PSG to get behind full back so easily with their just absurd attack.
1: It- And I really believe that um, Zidane just needs to hedge towards his attack rather than being a bit more conservative because this team has underperformed versus their XG since his return and even prior to that. But um, they've been underperforming by almost 15%. So that's a ridiculously high number Um, compared to their goals against. Their goals against is pretty much almost spot on. Um, a little bit off their goals against, expected goals against. So this team, in my opinion, just needs – we need to focus on the attack, focus on getting the confidence and composure and just kind of that clinical um, threat back to our game so that we can be the team that's scoring 80, 90, 100 goals again. Because we do have the players to do that. Um, It's just – its once you start getting that confidence up, once you start – Putting away those chances, it's going to make a huge, huge difference. And so, um, some people may say that, "Oh my God, you're going into the game with Hazard, Bale, Benzema, and Hamez. That's that's too much. That's an unbalanced team." But um, I don't think so. I think we can. I think we can do it as long as, um, again, the press is organized. If we're going to go with a pragmatic counterattacking scheme, make sure you've got that nailed down. The team needs to focus on. Um, playing well versus they're actually kind of getting on par with that because um, in this game against Levante, we, we pretty much were. The XG was uh, 3.1 for Real Madrid or 3.31 for Real Madrid and then 1.81 for Levante. So uh, pretty much the score of the game held true to the XG, and that, that's important. and We want to make sure that we are uh, performing well, and I, I think that that's going to be a key metric to watch over kind of the next six months or so.
2: Well, we've also seen that lineup in big games too from Zidane. <clears throat> so yeah. it's not I I don't think it's just a, it only works at against smaller teams it's not it's not true, you know, it's like we've seen it against Barca, Atletico. We actually saw a double pivot with Casemiro and Kovacic against PSG where three three at three attacking midfielders and one striker um in Paris. We've seen that. Yeah. So like, you know, it's I agree with you. I, I I think it's it's more than capable. I also would say like Hamez, Bale, Benzema, all great off ball defenders. Hazard, I think, maybe doesn't have that same defensive guile, but um is definitely comfortable pressing and you know, you can let him roam if you want a little bit, but I think it can work. I, I'm skeptical about just the idea that Zidane he's not necessarily been proven to take things that work from one game you're like oh great I can yeah. <laughs> copy and paste this no like so maybe he doesn't maybe he doesn't maybe he maybe he goes with Lucas Vasquez maybe he uh, maybe he benches Bale like this is part of the, like this is the cruel world also that we live in um, fair or unfair uh, there are players who will get injured or suspended and in their absence other good things happen and then they have to they walk in but without walking back into the starting lineup. For example, um, we saw it happen with Bale in the past when Bale out injured or suspended. Then Isco comes and Isco plays well. Then Bale comes back and Isco is just playing too good to bench. Now Isco is in that situation where Isco now is like, you know, he's injured, didn't come back. He has players playing really well in his position that I think will affect him. And, you know, now it's not just James. It's also just that left wing with Hazard, who's, who's, who's back now too, who's in... Uh, based on price, based on name, based on his reputation, based on his ability is undroppable. So if he's fit. So there's all these interesting uh, things to look out for.
1: Um, that Well, that's, that's the way it should be at Real Madrid. And that's maybe what we were lacking a little bit last season. And I think you've got to have that competitive need. You've yeah. got to have where you're thinking to yourself, if you're on the field and maybe you take a knock and, um, not that I want guys to play injured, but it's just a small, like maybe bruise or something like that. Like you thinking to yourself, there's no way you got to drag me off this field because I'm not letting anyone have an opportunity at my, at my position, at my job. And so that's, that's gotta be the mentality like through, throughout the team, you've you got to have people just dying on the pitch to try and, uh, make sure that they cement that place of theirs and not give anyone, a chance and so if you're getting suspensions if you're getting injured if you're whatever it may be you're risking your spot and that's that's you should fear for that there should be repercussions there should be worry that oh, oh, oh no I mean I've now put my position potentially in jeopardy I'm giving so-and-so a chance and so-and-so um that's the way it should be a Real Madrid um Vinicius yeah
2: that's it that's what do you what are your what are your thoughts? Uh, on his performance?
1: I thought I thought he had a good game for the most part. Uh, obviously, I think in the second half, and it just it's been a theme of his game. He gets kind of very anxious, has this angst when he gets into the final third, um, and obviously he he had a couple opportunities maybe he should have put away and, and just couldn't. And um, it's I think I still believe that he will. And it, it, it's again, it's like the rest of the team. Once you get that one goal, um, it kind of settles your nerves, your confidence grows, you get a few more, then, he'll, then we'll see the true Vinicius. Once he gets in a kind of a goal scoring groove and gets this off of his shoulders, I think he'll um, be a lot more confident in the final third and kind of get through this, this patch where the Barnabé and all fans really just have this anxiousness around him um when he goes to shoot but aside from that I thought I mean he was directing his dribbling he was always looking to take his guy on um he looked to stretch the back line I mean things we always look for from Vinicius and that's what he brings to the table his 1v1s um isolated on the left wing like I, I loved all of that I thought I thought he played well he got the full 90 minutes he's like you said Keon earlier he swapped from left to right um played pretty well in both positions. So I, other than, obviously, the anxiousness in the final third, I think he had a good game.
2: I think as he develops and goes through his sophomore season, uh, while he tries to figure out, while he tries to get out of his head, he's going to do good and bad stuff. And I think that we're just going to have to deal with that and live with that. Um, Zidane said in the post-game presser he's only 18. He was wrong. He's actually 19 now. He yeah. missed, Zidane <laughs> missed the birthday in July. I think uh, that was the
1: second time, too. He
2: said that. Really? Um, yeah. There was, like, and the good and bad sometimes was manifested in one, in the same sequence. Like, there was this, in the first half, um, he takes this really nice touch deep in Real Madrid's half when he's under pressure. He gets away from his defender, and the burn bows kind of gives us like, ooh, and, uh, and then, like, not even a second later, he gives the ball away from that same deep position. And, um... And he did that a couple times in the second half, too. And then he obviously had that sequence, which I'm sure you remember, where he just over dribbles and I think overthinks he tried to get it past this man, but he just ran out of pitch and he just went out of bounds. Um, but then I thought he also did some good things. And the assist to Casemiro was much needed to me because he played that perfectly as yeah. but as perfectly as you can. And so that was one of the things I noticed. I was like, he really needed that moment to work, so that he can just kind of build on some confidence. But you know, I'm definitely on the not right wing as well, too. On the right wing as well, where Zidane seems to want to to make it work with him. I uh, I do. Um, I I am not part of the um, the the bandwagon that is just jumping on Vinicius and telling him that he's not he's not bad he's not good. Uh, no, uh, no, no, I'm totally. Count me out of that. I'm not not buying a ticket. I wouldn't even get around it if you paid me. Um, so yeah. believe in him, he's young. Um, okay, any other notes on this game?
1: Um, the only other thing I think we can uh, talk about is uh, obviously we had two debutantes in Eddin Hazard and Edder oh, Millitow. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hazard. Okay. <laughs> um, and I thought I mean Hazard only had 29 touches and not a ton, but uh, it's still a decent amount. He came on in the 60th minute. Um, I thought he looked. I thought he looked good. There were a couple moments where um, maybe he held on to it a little bit too long, but besides that, I thought we saw what he's going to bring um, on the counterattack. As soon as you find him the ball, he can just bring. He's driving, um, his speed and his dribbles up the pitch can just bring the whole team up there with him, and he slaloms through a couple defenders. Um I think I can't wait to see him kind of in full flight for Real Madrid. I think he's going to be a a huge huge piece to our attack and uh I mean we saw last year Kean, he was just instrumental to everything Chelsea did. Uh was basically everything for them and so um I think he's going to be a huge huge player for us once once he gets into full gear.
2: Yeah, I thought he looked good. I mean, I actually, you know, in the in the 31 minutes he played um 29 touches isn't isn't bad considering that he was always showing for the ball he was active he kind of he didn't stay stationary he was it was clear Zidane told him to kind of like pop up as an outlet be involved he got a couple shots off obviously one of them really nice um had a key pass and I think within like part of the reason we're so high on him is because we watched him every week uh last season and I think if we didn't we'd kind of Maybe wouldn't be as so much as, like as high on him. I think a lot yeah. of once you see what he can do when he's like, you know, just when things aren't working for your offense, he can carry you. Once you see him do that over and over and over and over again, it's just um, it's amazing to watch. So I'm ex- really excited for him too. Um, didn't misplace a single pass, by the way, either. Um, what
1: else do we got? militao i thought um Mm. i mean he obviously didn't get that much action um but i thought he looked good in possession um he did a really nice job on one sequence where levante looked like they might break through but he just stepped up really quickly and um the levante were called offside so that was really great recognition from a young defender to see okay i just have to step up here and uh Catch him offside, so that that's huge, especially as a center back, because it's key for you to recognize that and communicate that with the rest of the back line. So, um, it'll it'll be a baptism of fire for him on uh, Wednesday in Paris. But um, I think hopefully we'll see. Yeah, not worried about him. He's played so many big games. Yeah, we'll see.
2: uh, We'll see. See what he's got. Um, I was gonna say we can talk about Lucas Vasquez, but there's a patron question. From him, so we can just just go that way. We have ten minutes left until uh, until regular plays. I mean, I assume is he starting? Yeah, he is. Okay. Yeah. Um, Zoran Church, our patron, by the way, again, Patreon slash managing Madrid. Get guaranteed responses to your questions, but also get access to bonus shows um, and that much anticipated loan tracker on Tuesdays. Zoran Church says, "I have no clue if this was asked in the past, but." Do you think Lucas Vasquez could transition to play regularly as a right back? He has some characteristics to his game that could be useful in that position. It seems we might need some help there. Even this season, I can see him being a similar player to Jesus Navas or maybe even Juan front who was initially
1: a winger. What do you guys think? So <clears throat> we have seen Lucas Vasquez play right back before. Um, I think even against PSG, I think he was forced there. Um, he he can do a decent job, but for me, he will never be a true right back and will never be someone that um, we, at least at a Real Madrid level, we want to have in that position. Um, there's certain he, – he does have good characteristics to be a right back. I think at right wing back is probably um, – Maybe at a Real Madrid level, he could play there. I think that's probably a good position for him where there's a little bit more defensive cover behind him. But I think you see with Lucas Vasquez at right back is what you see is he can take the team out of shape. And when you're in a back line of four, it's so, so important that you're constantly um, looking over to your left and looking over at that line, making sure you are in line with that back four, making sure you're not dragging the team out of shape, making sure you're not pressing when you should be um, conservative and staying in and just waiting for your defender or waiting for the opposition to come to you. You have to pick and choose your moments. And I think those are things that um, it's hard to train that into a player late in the game because it's, it it's something that has to be kind of drilled into you time and time again, year after year. Um, and, and you acquire from playing that position. And so I just, I I think he's got the qualities, but maybe if he started out kind of in his younger days as a right back, it would have worked out better.
2: Yeah. And to add to that, he's not, obviously he's not someone you want to put there unless it's a pickle. Um, now, the interesting thing is, because I've been, I re- I wrote about this uh, last season because he played as a right back against Victoria Pilsen. Um, you rewind far enough. There have been, there have been moments where, uh, Coaches have opted to trust him over the backup right back. So Zidane uh, against Bayern Munich in the Champions League of, last, of 2017. Uh, Carvajal was injured. He put Vasquez as the team's right back against Bayern Munich over Atraf. At and then Lopotegi put him there once against Victoria Pilsen um, when he had Odriozola available. So there are moments where I think they the managers trust him there over another player. I think there's like... With Vasquez, you can see some of the good things that he can possibly bring from that position, like a Jesus Navas. although Jesus Navas plays in a three-five-two, when it's completely different, and there's there's three center backs covering for him, um, and and he has, I think, some some good defensive tendencies as well. But with Vasquez, while he has provided some nice overloads in that position, this attacking threat, which I think makes sense from an attacking winger who can do that as right back he also has these winger tendencies ingrained in him that i think make it hard for him unless he was playing that role week in week out for years it's hard for hit for you to get that out of your system um and i'm just going through i went through some film and some notes from lucas vasquez's right back experience because of this question and um he definitely had this tendency when he played that position to to kind of pretend or think or unconsciously think that there's a right back behind him covering the winger that yeah. he was supposed to mark. Uh, and for that reason, he had left his marker. I mean that, and that, that's just basically him just being, a, just being used to a winger and being used to that position, um, thinking that there is someone covering for him. So there's like little things like that. I would prefer not to put him there unless it was a pickle, but um, you know, that would, that's, he can play there if, if if absolutely needed though. Um all right, I think that's that brings us to a conclusion on this podcast, Matt. All right. So you and I will be back on Tuesday morning again. Patreon.com slash Managing Madrid. We're gonna be talking about Odegaard's phenomenal performance against Atletico Madrid, but also how Vallejo did against Chelsea and Natrafts and assists against Leverkusen and, and other things and and again, a, a bunch of other things, Cubos, regular Bios, Regulon, uh, everything. So make sure to tune into that and to access at slash managing Madrid. Um, oh, really quickly, Matt. Well, quickly, a bit of an understatement because there's a lot, but patron shout outs. Um, before I, I almost forgot. So, one of your rewards if you pledge $10 or more is you get a specific shout out on the podcast. And uh, we wanted to give a shout out to these wonderful patrons who pledge $10 or more. So, um, shout out to, as I pull this up. Um, by the way, as I pull this up, I'll just quickly mention, uh, like really, f- well, I'd say five great articles on the site right now. Everything from uh, tactical analysis to, you know, kind of, one, one of what are some of the issues that Zidane needs to fix and some other observations. So go check that out on managingmadrid.com. Shout out to Mikhail Nilsson, Frederick Sundros, John Fernandez, Said Mahad, one, Belassia one Adam Dorsey, Frederick Antakiro, Pascal Said Leon Stabernakis, Bjorn Salvador, Christian Gonzalez, Essa Hariri, Ilian Zako Yahya Ibrahim, Willie Reed, Nick Ribeiro, Eric Rogers, Tyler Simon, Saad Omar, Oluwapamimo Dunjoy Patrick Odayafadi, Christian Toff Dan Berthy, Charles Williams, Tarek Sphere, Kunal Tilakar, Merrin Myrtle, Tyler Dixon, Raul Gutierrez, Raghat Potluri, Vicky Cohen, Gary Cohut, Sujai Wanyi, Peña Maridista, San Francisco Bay Area, Brandon Stevens, Casper Moscala, Catherine Fagundo, Zoran Church, Crystal Glass, Rafael Servia, Karen Scherer, Somanchu Singh, Brennan Powers, Robi Taghiev, Amy L, Anthony Armesto, Shabazz Sharapov, Fabian Moreno, Varun, Bernard Kufour, Ashik Bashar, AMB6901, Daniel Pinkney, Magnus Lex, Jason Fitz, Anton Hackberg, Solomon Artiz, and Philip Hammer. Thank you guys uh, so freaking much. Um, Just the list keeps growing uh, every week, so we really appreciate your support. And until next time, hala marid. Hala
1: marid.